0: What's up, everybody? We're going to be uh, time-sensitive this time. I won't, I won't say good morning or good afternoon or good evening. I like sure. What's up? Right. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review, sitting here with Johnny Otawa from the Omaha World-Herald. After Creighton's 95-76 win over in-state rival Nebraska, um, Johnny is a blue state again, uh, eighth time in the last nine years for men's basketball, um. 19 point win matches the 19 point loss last year and the score was pretty final score was pretty similar Ninety four seventy five 94 75 last year 95 76 final this year um as always uh, our leadoff man you want to jump in with your initial takeaways of um the whooping that was well, I I think that it generally
1: unfolded about the same that I thought. Yeah, it would. I didn't expect I think it was a, like eighteen to two. And I, I didn't expect like, that. Oh, you didn't expect that? I thought I, th- I said I wouldn't be surprised if it was you know fifteen to five okay. or sixteen to eight or something. You know, I thought Creighton would get off to a good start. It's gotten off to a good start to basically every game except for San Diego State. I feel like this year. So I, f- I felt like Creighton was going to hit them early, and but I thought that you'd see a little bit better response from Nebraska. Mm-hmm just because of the rivalry and the emotion involved and so for for creighton to sort of um i mean it it dealt like four knockout blows in the first half to do that on top one on top of the other repeatedly that to me was um what was impressive and honestly it's not that um i mean it's kind of par for the course it seems like uh, for for this game in Omaha, omaha for sure yeah
0: yeah they're Nebraska has not gone off to a good start, I, with the exception of two years ago. Dude, it's the where that settled into a pretty good game. Actually, they actually got off to a really good start, but it's like that. I think it's the third time in the last four games in Omaha say, where it's been over pretty much at the under twelve. I think
1: it's the fourth time in the last eight meetings in Omaha where Creighton's had at least twenty point a twenty point lead before halftime. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. for a rivalry game for a crazy. rivalry yeah that's crazy. and,
1: and given oh that you know obviously Creighton has been the better program during that stretch but sure. not by that much so to see it kind of unfold like that the house of horrors type deal that mm-hmm. Nebraska deals with here um you know it's it it it's a little bit surprising because you would imagine that at some point it's not gonna unfold that way but the fact that like Creighton got off to a good start. I thought it would. I thought Nebraska would respond. It did eventually, mm-hmm. but I definitely thought. But I thought going into it that the second half would likely be pretty even because of Creighton's depth issues, and especially if Creighton was up to a, or got out to a big lead, which it did. I figured that the Jays would would try to kind of cruise mm-hmm. to the finish wow. as best they could, mm-hmm. and uh, they had to make a few plays to keep Nebraska at arm's length. But for the most part, the game was decided. In the first fifteen minutes or so, yeah forty to nine
0: yeah, forty to nine uh, just to recap forty to nine because that 's basically the ball game right there. It was essentially after that, I felt like it was just a pickup game where just both teams were like, all right i mean creighton 's intensity clearly dropped off, and Nebraska's picked up, so it mm-hmm. it turned into a pretty entertaining game for the final twenty five or so minutes, but that first uh, just before the under four in the first half so I think it was 15 and a half minutes first 15 and a half minutes 34 possessions uh, Creighton scored on 16 of them the rest of scored on four of the first 34 possessions um, both teams had six turnovers but Nebraska was three of six three of 26 from the field creighton was 14 of 26. So literally the same amount of shots, same amount of turnovers, just eleven more <laughs> made on Creighton. because yeah, what's and crazy about it is Creighton offensively wasn't
1: as efficient as it could have been. Right, they were. Some, they missed some shots at yeah. the rim, uh, forced the issue at times. Like you think, I think about maybe trying to be a little bit too flashy. Sure, I mean it could have force a few
0: threes when they were just like when they felt like they were about to put it on them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, it the, the been worse. Christian Bishop catching a ball one handed and trying to dunk mm-hmm. it. Like he
0: didn't have to do that. Nope there were a lot of plays there were a few plays like that we're which is crazy like, because it could like that, <laughs> that it could have been worse than 40 to 9 yeah yeah, yeah but it could have been um i don't know it's hard to say you were expecting 40 to 9 but i was expecting something similar to the, I, I was expecting a 38 to 8 type of scenario that played out in 13 14 just because when you look at the variables of what's going on with those two teams like that year Nebraska was bringing in a lot of newcomers, transfers, trying to like integrate themselves within, you know, not only this rivalry itself, but like their system itself. And that's what's going on with this current Nebraska team. And that team ran into a Creighton team that I mean, that was Doug Senior Year, Grant, Ethan, Johans, all those guys were were at the peak of their careers at that point. And I feel like Creighton is has a lot of upperclassmen when Tyshawn and Mitch. Um, Marcus is playing as good as he's ever played in his career so far. Yeah. Um, kind of coming into his, his own a little bit. So you've got like a, you know, a monster of veterans on Creighton's side and a ton of inexperience in terms of playing together and continuity on Nebraska's side. Now you're mixing in the fact that you're going to play a fast-paced game where both teams are going to get up and down and, and and you know, try to get going and transition and threes are going to be flying. and um, It just didn't suit – Nebraska's personnel to match up in that regard, and I was I was expecting. I know it's crazy to say I was expecting, it, but I was expecting it to get ugly early and get um, closer late. So I the, yeah, the way the way it happened, I wasn't surprised. Yeah. So I, it kind of felt like it was trending to be that type of game because all the variables that were there in thirteen fourteen that led to that thirty eight eight were here, almost yeah. to extremes. You know what I mean? Creighton's not as good as that. Team is, but Nebraska's worse than they were then. You know what I mean in terms of uh, talent and things like that. So I was expecting it to be bad, and and I was supposed to be bad early and competitive late. I think that's how it turned right. out. So yeah, um, but uh, again, but uh, yeah, like fourteen
1: to, or forty to nine is something that hard to imagine, yeah. right? Your heart is like, yeah, Creighton's going to be up even, thirty. Yeah, Even first, with what you yeah, just said, which was right on, spot sure. on. Even with that, and even with the <coughs> fact that <coughs> Creighton is had nebraska's number in this building more times than not in in emphatic in emphatic fashion more mm-hmm. times than not has handled nebraska still when you look up at the scoreboard it's 40 to 9 it's like wow that 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 was an impressive start so mm-hmm. um yeah creighton is now won what 17 the last 21 against nebraska in the regular season
0: yeah i think it's 18 out of 23 too the last 23 so I'm going back basically my whole life um they found a way to get it done, especially by double figures lately, too. I think eight of the last night have been by ten or more. Am I not am I mistaken on that one?
1: Yeah, because they had I seven in a row, double digits. All double digits. And then Nebraska won last year. Gotcha.
0: <clears throat> so, Marcus zagorowski was the star of the show tonight. Um, his, like... Almost... His games... To... Sorry, didn't rub, but it not was, not like, it. his game, his performance, almost got overshadowed
1: by how dominant, dominant Craig sure. was for the first 15 minutes. Like... Because Creighton as a whole was so much better, and like this is a rivalry about like the Jays versus the Huskers, and how are they going to respond after last year? It was like, you know, I don't, I'm not saying like it, I don't mean to downplay his 39 well, and six, but well, it's it like, caught
0: me off guard at how good he was in that stretch. Because I, I, lo- I, all I was looking at was the total score, and I looked down, I like, go, "Oh, Marcus is having a day." Like that's, <laughs> yeah. it. So it did. You're not, you're not wrong. It did catch me off guard how, how how good he was at, you know, not only distributing, but, you know, it, it. we know he can score at all three levels, but rarely do you see a guy that's that gets going in a game that starts out by doing that. Usually it's like, all right, I'm going to hit a couple threes here, and then they're going to take that away, so I'm going to try to get to the rim, and then, okay, then they're taking that away, so I'm just going to settle here in the mid range area or get to the foul line. Um, but from the jump, I felt like he was establishing all three areas of the game from the from the jump and i thought that was that was what was incredible about his performance because he started out he heated up kind of in all three areas and made himself just really difficult for nebraska to contain not only defend but just like put him in a spot where they feel like all right we want you here go ahead and take those shots like he got to the rim at will um he was able to get himself open on the perimeter for some um some, some some rhythm threes, and he was able to to, to probe the the intermediate area of the paint. Yeah, and, and he started, he's just becoming shots. so much more confident in the middle of the paint. Yeah, like I feel like game yeah, where he just right. kind of like settles in there at a good pace and and either f- finds a lob or goes to the rim or settles for that jumper. It it, it was like what
1: Creighton needed at Michigan. Yeah. Like, they had stopped at the elbow, and it's like, no, we need you to, you need to get, like, four feet deeper. Right. And now he's doing that and causing defenses a ton of problems. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man,
0: that hesitation move he had, whew, that was nice. It's Um, hard to guard because you're like because you kind of want to be on his hip a little bit but then if he hits you with the Hezzy while you're on his hip you're screwed mm, you know yeah, what i mean because you are okay. you're, you're, you're already put, right. you're intentionally out of position because you don't cuz you want to heat him up when when you make and a make move him get downhill into your into right. your defense
1: and When you when he make a you move
0: like that, that and like the uh, the whole
1: team is just the opposing team's just watching cuz mm-hmm. they're like that's how unexpected it was for them like they didn't see it coming right i mean ooh that was a nice move. Yeah, uh, and, and he's starting he
0: to get some national pub too from this. I saw that though. The, Jay Billis yeah. gave him a little
1: shout out with the gave bug. him the Van
0: Vliet comparison, which I was trying to fight that the first the first year, but that's probably going to hit up now because Billis has a has a following.
1: Mentality so, wise, they have a similar definitely. They're both like, well dogs, yeah, And yeah, they yeah. play, play the play, play, yeah. play the same position, and they're
0: white ish, light skin, white skin, light skinned. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, I feel like it's the hair. The hair is like too similar for them not to make that comparison. And then, yeah, like. Van Vliet was a super efficient player his whole career and so Marcus has turned into that. So yeah. it's hard not to. I just liked the Heinrich one better because of the size. Like Van Vliet wasn't Marcus's size, so like he was smaller. He was more of a you know, just a stocky, like right. bulldog type, you know. Marcus has that mentality. He's not as, I don't think he's built like a bulldog. No. He's six two. He's kind of he's he's almost prototypical from an NBA standpoint. Like he's got point guard, NBA point guard size to him, right? Length and everything in his so yeah.
1: and whatnot. So. That, um, he, he capitalized, too, I think, on with Creighton's ability to just sort of space the floor. Yeah. And, you know, because he had that back cut for a, a layup. Um, Chris found him. And one of the threes he hit in the corner was, like, might have been Creighton's best position of the first half, where Sharif Mitchell drove in the lane, kicked it out to Damian Jefferson, who passed it to Mitch, who passed it to, like, they just sort of crisped. Passed it around the perimeter yeah. for a three. Mitch passed it to... It did, it did
0: go in, out, 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 out Yeah, for
1: a three. Yeah. I remember that possession. It was um, really nice. But then he also created a lot for himself and others, too, mm-hmm. with the ball in his hands. And you, you, you asked him about his, like, what he was reading in terms of going against Nebraska's ball screen coverage, which I thought um, he really made a lot of good decisions mm-hmm. attacking downhill off that. And like found Christian for one lob and yeah. probably should have got him for another one, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, man, he was really good, and it's 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 interesting because his emergence is now going to put so much pressure on defenses as they try to game plan against Creighton because they want to stick to Tyshon Alexander and Mitch Balick, like they don't want to give them open in rhythm threes. So you have to honor that. Yeah, yeah, and you have to stick a defender to him. But then what happens when Creighton sets a high ball screen with Marcus Sickerowski? And he's in an advantage situation going downhill against you. Like, do you bring another defender to help? It's a tough spot. So, yeah, um, I, I think those. I mean, those three guards are we've talked about a lot. They're really good. And
0: uh, um, but but Zachary Rousey's playing. But we've also talked his, to, yeah, his we, best ball of his career right now, sure. as you said. And we've we've also talked about how having a point guard that plays that's playing at the level that Marcus is is the key to unlocking Creighton's kind of like. Supernova offense, you know what i mean it, it it operates at a high level because of the style it is in the sense, in you know in essence, but when you have a guy that 's playing at Marcus's level that is your number one floor general that controls the game, that unlocks creighton's ability to be an elite team yeah. offensively um, and that 's kind of what we 're seeing right now. I think when he 's playing at that level i mean nebraska isn 't the defense that Texas Tech is, but Creighton scored an incredibly high rate against Texas Tech because of how good he was in that game, and that's yeah. just like, when you have a point guard that plays at that level in a system like this, it's you really have a tough time stopping it, no matter how good your defense is. Um, defensively for Creighton, though, I mean, 40 to 9 is, you know, 40 points in your first 34 possessions is pretty good offensively, but holding another team to 9 on the other end is also, I think we should give some credit to to their to their... Um,
1: it was like a level of engagement
0: and focus yeah, like there was definitely an everything level was it
1: felt like this that everything they practiced they did yeah. on the court, which hasn't happened very often I feel like for this team this year um maybe it's happened for stretches, but I don't know if it's happened to start a game like that okay. I mean they were i mean I, I'd seen Nebraska run some actions that I remember the scout team emulating in practice creating scout team and I'm like they're right there doing exactly what they need to do. Um, they Nebraska, you know, Coach Holberg said after the game, he thought they were undisciplined with some of their decisions offensively. But I also thought that that was some of that you credit Creighton for just being in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And they cut off driving lanes and they knew where um, some of Nebraska's guards wanted to get. And they did a good job helping when the ball got kind of to the elbow area. Yeah,
0: and, you know. I mean they made Nebraska. One of the things they made Nebraska do was they made them. Especially Gervais Green and Cam Mack, they made those guys be jump shooters first. Mm-hmm. So they made them. They made them if they were going to get their games going and get off to a good start, they were going to make them do it from the perimeter first, and not yeah getting to the teeth of defense. For one, getting you know shots at the rim against an undersized front line for Creighton, who didn't have Kelvin Jones at their disposal today. But two, getting to the free throw line as well early on for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, they
1: didn't foul a lot. Right. So, so, so was it like nine points, points in the first thirty-two possession,
0: thirty-four possessions, nine points in thirty-four possessions? Yes, only scored on four of them. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, that's. So their really turnover low. rate was higher than their scoring rate. Yeah, is basically <laughs> what, I, what that looks like because <laughs> they had six on thirty-six turnovers and yeah. four, only four converted possessions offensively. Right, and that the, the the I feel like the focus
1: dropped off a little bit. Like, there's no, I mean, there's no doubt they gave they, up. Like, they, they gave like, up a couple like. In rhythm jumpers on out of bounds plays, where it was just like, <coughs> you know,
0: I'm sure that's going to pop up on, on the There's film no study. There's no you question. know, after the game, yeah. uh, I mean, if Creighton wanted to, they could. If the coaching staff wanted to, they could segment this game into a loss um, based on number of possessions and points allowed. If they wanted to, they could find like that. They could put together a game tape that's long enough to feel like a loss. True, if they wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Um, did,
1: did you find? I found it interesting that McDermott like said right away in his opening statement, like. Yeah, there were stretches that we weren't proud of, but we're not focusing on that right now. Yeah. Like, we're going to enjoy this and sort of relish in
0: this. And what he means by that is they're going to probably take a couple days off here, and then when they come back to practice, they're going to focus on all of it. <laughs> probably, yeah. But for now... <laughs>
1: you know all that's going to come right. up. And for now, know. it's yeah. good vibes. Yeah, and, for sure. And I thought Creighton, thought I, I don't know, did we talk a little bit about, like, they were just a motivated team today. Clearly.
0: Yeah, we haven't talked about that, but go ahead.
1: But, start. but they... It's, uh I think Tyshawn mentioned after the game, like, remembering the chants in the arena and the uh, the social media messages that, ca- that came across his phone yeah. after the game against Nebraska last year. Which are all
0: the things you love about a rivalry, but you, we don't ever, like, consider – we don't ever consider, like, what the, – how the players are going to react to that, like, if they're a part of the rivalry –
1: the next in, year in the come-up yeah. game right? like I mean, well how game. does New, how do nebraska players react to this one that'll be this the storyline going into next right, year, right exactly because a lot of these guys probably i would assume are back for the huskers but anyway so creighton's guys um don't you remember i didn't really i should have asked a couple players about this but i didn't think about it remember after that game in lincoln where mcdermott kind of went player to player along the bench and mm-hmm. was just like hey remember this mm-hmm. like this stinks yeah, like and, soak it all in right. look
0: at this like savor this because I, I'd, I'd imagine that that was there's part no of their, their mindset and then every and player then, every player I talked to oh sorry go ahead that's your point well, no, go ahead. Let's go well ahead. every player I talked to in the lead up to this game used the word personal and I, and I thought it was and, I, and what I was kept asking them was like why do guys there's only one Nebraska kid on this roster why do all of you take this personal and it's like well, we know how much it means A to the state itself, B to our fans, and we remember what that felt like last year. So there were like three elements going into this. Like they know they know while whether they've grown up in this or not like Sharif has, they know what this rivalry means to Creighton fans, they know what this rivalry means when it doesn't go their way, and they know what it feels like to get it put on them in a hostile environment. So like all of those things were working against them to motivate working in their favor to motivate them to get up for this game. And I thought that's what you saw play out in the first.
1: And the other thing I was going to add is that I was going to ask you if you remember the practices after.
0: Oh, I mean, that's where Jacob's Emerson's season ended pretty much. Like, those were brutal. Like, yeah, they were, they were, they were. That was where the Creighton's whole mentality of, um, you know, the extra effort plays that they they want to you know they want to be that team that has that as part of their that's identity that's kind of where it's, was that's where it Genesis all started. started yeah yeah was that it was like two
1: practices in a row where they i mean i'm sure they did some offense but i don't remember it was like rebounding loose balls charges yeah, yeah. i mean it was all and
0: remember the one loose ball drill they did right after the rest of game where they had like it wasn't just because normally they make their loose ball drill part of their charge drill you know like take a couple of charges then go get one the loose ball drill they did after the Nebraska loss last year was a competitive one where it was like two guys lined up. It was basically two lines of dudes. Yeah. And they roll one ball out and two dudes chase after it and like fight for it. Yes. And it's like an all out tussle. Yeah. It looked like a rugby practice. Like it was insane.
1: My buddies and I, when we were like kids, <coughs> one of my friends hit him and his brother, and then we played it. When we uh, came over, there was something like, Dick, I think we called it Dick Buck Kiss. A uh, fumble roosky or something along those okay. lines where we basically just like had two people stand on one edge of the room and then you throw a football in the middle and whoever just, gets whoever it gets it's it. a scrum. All right. And that was that. Yeah. That's what I was reminded as I was yeah. watching those. like, it
0: definitely it that was, is, that's a good way to put it, right It there. was it was a fumble recovery yeah. on the court. It was a, it was a, it was one of the more brutal practices I can ever <laughs> recall watching.
1: So they remembered that, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And and yeah they they were uh, they were extremely focused today and especially early obviously and, and Got it done with a, with a big run
0: Yeah, to start the game. Um, Anything of concern in the second half that you feel like is something going forward? Because I felt like there were some things that happened to Creighton, especially defensively. I mean, let's put aside that the intensity dropped off because they had a big lead. That's fine. But I felt like there were things that happened to their defense that can happen again because of how they're constructed at the current moment.
1: Like, well, I was going to say that, because uh, McDermott mentioned after the game, like, you know, Damian Jefferson played a lot of minutes at the five. Mm-hmm. And, he hasn't visited, right? yep. and he hasn't done that a lot. And I was thinking, like, you know, Kelvin Jones was out. It was a game-time decision yeah. coming in, and he tried, but he couldn't go. And they, they assumed that he'll be back in a week. But with only two big men, there's a, I mean, there seems like a, pretty strong likelihood that Creighton's gonna have to at some point this year play with five guards again Mm -hmm. so in my mind I'm like wow I do understand that some of the mistakes were made maybe because they haven't had a lot of reps with this lineup they probably are gonna have to get more reps with this lineup Mm -hmm. if if it's not Jefferson at the five maybe it's Denzel Mahoney when he's eligible with the five but somebody who's not used to playing the five who is a guard is gonna have to get reps at the five and so like both on offense and defense, like that adjustment um, is going to have to be made at some point because otherwise, like there's not, they don't have anything else. I mean, um, yes, uh, unless they can groom walk on Nick Zyl quickly, but I don't know if I see that mm-hmm. as a as a reasonable option at this point. So, to me, the most um, likely contingency plan for. Uh, if if Creighton has an injury at the five or foul trouble at the five, is Damon Jefferson at the five mm-hmm. or Denzel Mahoney? <clears throat> and there's some work to do there.
0: Yeah, so my identifier from a non-positional standpoint is that Creighton's – Creighton is not going to have rim protection at all this year. So the rim is yep. going to be compromised at basically all times defensively. And so when you get one of those bigs in foul trouble or if you're dealing with a shorthanded um, – Big man rotation because of an injury, um, you know whether it's short term or long term. Um, your rim is undefended essentially because if you're getting in there, I mean Nebraska was 19 to 31 in the second half, 10 of 17 at the free throw line, so they got to the into into the teeth of the defense and got guys in foul trouble. They got to the free throw line and they got they made layups. Um, so the the thing that I think is going to be maybe number one on their priority list is to be better defensively both with their gap principles and with their on ball defense. And I think yeah. that's something that I saw a major drop off in the second half. And I feel like that's going to be addressed as soon as they get back to the practice for because they're going to know going forward with, I mean, they have Oklahoma, Arizona state, you know, other than UGRT and, uh, Midland, they have Oklahoma, Arizona state, and then big East play. And they're going to face some teams that are going to be able to exploit the rim yeah. and the free throw line. Um, to the degree that Nebraska did, but with a higher success rate, I feel. Yeah,
1: Nebraska was 13 of 18 on twos in, in the, the second, second half. half. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's that's a and they finished a lot of those and ones too. Like, oh yeah, yeah right. they know, got they're, fouled. They're, they're, and yeah, so finished. they got threes right. the old-fashioned way, um, along and, with heating and, up a little bit from right. the perimeter. So, and Creighton's um, already compromised, as yeah. you said, they're already
1: compromised at the rim anyway. Right. With a six-seven bishop and then Kelvin Jones, who's Still adjusting to this. Yeah, when thing. they're healthy, they, yeah, they're compromised right. to begin with. And then training. you talk yeah. about taking them off the floor. Yeah. So, yeah, on ball defense, I mean, I think there's a lot of room for growth there. But the thing is, is that I've also seen them show at times this year that they can be good on defense, like collectively as a group, good enough mm. for what they need. Yeah, you talked about for stretches for sure. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, in the second half, they they kind of let Nebraska, maybe part of that was just you no. Know, Nebraska's guys are, con- they're pretty, that's what they do well is drive the lane yeah. and get to the rim. Get in those seams so, attack, right. Some of the credit
0: goes to them, but... Well, that's why I felt like Creighton's defense deserves some credit in the first half, because yeah. they didn't allow that stuff to happen. Right. I think you mentioned that. Right. Because um, I think Nebraska wanted. it. I mean, Fred, Fred Hoiberg mentioned that they, they did it with a little bit more assertiveness in the second half, but, you know, I think that's always part of who they want to be. They always want to get downhill and, and create ro- defensive rotations and then play out of that. Um so the fact that they weren't able to do it as much in the first half, especially in that stretch we talked about, uh, where the game was essentially decided and put away, was credit to Creighton's defense for being, you know, sounding the gap, stunting at the ball, picking at it, and, and not a lot. And especially at the rim, I think they contested pretty well, walled up pretty good. So they were protecting it as well as they could at that point. But it definitely fell off in the second half. Alec had three blocks. Yeah, he had one pretty well, – did he get credit for blocks when he was like going up for those strips? You, like, because that doesn't feel I don't know, like they gave him three. So I didn't. Realize. I feel like he stripped Kevin Cross going up for a I layup, and one, I don't know yeah. if that was a steal or a block, but because right. he's he technically left his feet when he like crosses in the air when he strips him. So is it right. a block shot or is it should a, be a steal? It should be a steal. I agree. Yeah. I don't remember three yeah, blocks. Um, yeah. Anything else before we get to questions? Uh, Looks like Marquette that one from Purdue it looks like maybe if I'm reading that right sorry we got volleyball in the brain um, Creighton plays in about an hour or so Minnesota. Um, so you want to get your questions yeah let's do it let's knock these out um we've only had a few but some of them are pretty good talking points so okay, we can have some good conversations out of them uh, the first one from Alex Indelar what is your favorite type of bread We've we've been,
1: mealing on a lot of multigrain, multigrain in the house. Okay. So I don't know if that. I think my wife likes
0: rye. If she had to, choose. you know, that's pretty. Thing? That's that's not bad. I think I might. I think I might be team Megan on that one then. What are you going with? I would go with rye bread. Oh.
1: What What about just like, Texas toast white bread?
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that's it's not healthy, but no, I <laughs> delicious. <laughs> The, thing with, like, the diff- thing with, like, the bread is, like, it just depends on kind of what you're making, right? Doesn't it? Because I feel like Texas toast is better for, like, you know, sandwiches with, like, layers. Like French toast or something. Like, yeah, yeah that yeah. definitely French toast. But, you know, sam- I don't think that's bread, though, at that point. You're doing something <laughs> different to me. Uh, like, sandwiches with layers, I feel like you want Texas toast or, like, Rotella's yeah. or something. But with, like, you know, I don't know. If you want a like, grilled cheese sandwich... I-
1: so I've had this problem, man. Like I'm trying not to. I'm trying to eat less bread, okay? Because from what I read, the bread is is basically your body converts it and it acts like sugar in your body. Yeah. But I I freaking love bread.
0: I mean, it's very versatile. Yes. Yeah, ingredient for anything. Right? I don't know. So you, you don't have a favorite? Is do bagels count? Because bagels are. Uh, you know what? I'll let you count bagels. Because why not? It's, it's bread bread dish. Another thing that's not good for you. Either, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, bagels and then I'll go with I'll, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, team, I'm right. team Megan. Right yeah, All cool. right. Um, All <clears> right. <throat> this one's from Adam Hester. Uh, Should we start to worry about Marcus declaring for the draft this year? I always assumed he'd stay through junior year to play with Mitch and Tyshawn one last time, but he's playing himself into an early second-round selection. First of all, sample size, way too small. Um, I haven't even seen... Have you seen it is Is he any projections yet? I don't know. Well, I know that... I know Mike
1: Smith
0: Sch- did yeah, a he, write-up on him. Yeah. So that's usually how it starts.
1: Right. That's where the hype... That's like yeah. Kyrie's hype... Actually, Kyrie's hype started around this time. So maybe it's not too okay. early to have the conversation... Or to like at least start... Put like, it on your radar. Put it on the fire. Because that's... Reality, what, yeah, Kyrie so. going into the season okay. wasn't on the on anybody's boards, and then all of a sudden yeah, I felt he was sure. a first round potential first-round pick, and then he goes. And I mean, the
0: summer we watched him have, I definitely told people that he was not going to be back for his senior year. Oh, you said that? I did. Interesting. Yeah. he had already won Big East Defensive Player of the Year, and I yeah. felt like his ceiling was only so high he was going to, I felt like his junior year was going to be as good as he was going to mm-hmm. be in college, and then he was going to go, so, um, yeah, I, I, not, I think Marcus can still be better. Oh, yeah. But but that's that's kind of what I'm talking about the sample size thing I guess then because he hasn't even had an off season at Creighton yet that's what I'm talking yeah. like that's why it hasn't entered my brain I guess yet because we haven't seen what a summer uh you know what an off season can do for him mm-hmm. um, I mean if he goes if he's if he's averaging thirty points a game you know, like, then yeah he's gonna go I but. mean I looked it up today like because when he dri- when he hit the thirty like Marcus Howard now when I say Marcus Howard his clips thirty he's had 38, 40, and fifty one so the. <laughs> I'm lowering the bar for Marcus Howard to move him into this category, but Marcus Howard uh, has had three 30-point games this year. Uh, Miles Powell's had two, and Marcus Igarowski has also had two. So, I mean, yeah, if he continues the company that he's keeping currently at his efficiency, he's going to get, you know, he's going to be invited to the camp at at the very least, you know what I mean, whether he can um, perform and work himself into a – an ideal draft position as a sophomore because that's the other thing that you would look at is like when you when you evaluate uh players is like Kyrie had to go because his ceiling was only going to he's only going to get older and he wasn't going to get better yeah but in I don't, terms of the NBA the only pushback, was, I was gonna say the only
1: pushback I'd have on Kyrie is that what he would have benefited from by staying because I don't think he would have got worse or much better. He would have been about the same player, but he would have got so much more hype. Like, nationally, he would have gone into his senior year as, like, the definitive best perimeter defender in in the the country country type guy. And that would have sort of maybe it maybe perhaps boosted his profile a little bit. Again, I don't know if that means that he goes – Ten spots higher in the draft, he probably gets drafted about the same spot, honestly. Mm-hmm. But he gets sort of a little bit more credibility. I don't know, yeah. it's, but that that was that would have been my only sort of like mm-hmm. counter to what you say. But I I,
0: I, I so agree I like that, that but Marcus but, can Marcus can likely build up draft stock this year and improve it next year. Is what I would. Yeah, I agree with that. How. I yeah. agree with that. Cuz like you said he hasn't even had a
1: full off season right. to address yeah. some of the things
0: that So if you he so, if he, be so, so it's like yeah so just imagine cuz he hasn't had an off season yet because of the injuries he's dealt with. So if you imagine that he is like just fast forward to April, May, June, he's healthy. He's and then he's got NBA, you know, interest. He's going to go to he can declare And if he gets an invite, go to those camps, get those workouts, get those evaluations. And then when he comes back from that, um, you know, he can work out with his brother, go to some high-level camps with some NBA players and and improve his game a little bit and come back and then really take a jump is what would be – I guess that's the, you know, the trajectory of NBA players who, you know, aren't one-and-dones. That's how they kind of evolve. They go from generating interest to – breaking that first-round barrier and, and being one of those guys. So, yeah, I would say if the word is worry, I would say no. Would you agree? Because that's what the question is. Should, yeah. we, should we start to worry no, that he won't but, be back next
1: year? I, I think it's something to can start considering. Sure. And then we'll kind of keep tabs yeah. on it. we we'll see, see how many 30-point games he drops <laughs> right now.
0: <our> <coughs> Uh, Braden Kelly wants to know, you know, why Kelvin didn't play small injury or something worse, dun dun dun. Right. It um, something worse. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. go. It is, we'll, we'll call it small injury, right? We're, we're, he's in the day to day category. Um, yeah. I mean, he suited up he, today. He tried to play. And he tried, he
1: stretched, yeah. him, he got stretched out, but he just, like, did he do, I wasn't
0: at practice yesterday. Did he do anything yesterday? No. Okay. No. So they were just trying to preserve him then. Yeah. Um, yeah, i i I imagine if he was close to playing the day, he'll be f- ready to go when they are back on the court. When December fourteenth, yeah, is that when the next game is? Next Friday, yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, but he didn't play because is it? I don't know if it's ankle, foot, something in that area. He it's when he took that charge. Um. It landed on it. So foot. Maybe I, I think it's foot. Foot. Yeah, right? I've been I calling think. it a foot.
1: He. His foot was basically like the heel was on the floor and the toes were pointed upward, and a player landed on it. So yeah. that's a, such an awkward sort of like sure. point of impact. just bending downward. Yeah, where it's not supposed to be that right. yeah. So that's that's at least that was my vantage point. I saw it happen um, from from my seat, and yeah, obviously
0: hasn't played since. So okay. Um, that's it for questions thanks everybody appreciate the feedback um, and the interaction Uh, I think we're going to wrap this up because volleyball is about to start in an hour and we need to get back and be in tune with that plus we have still some post game stuff to finish up here so it's going to be a busy evening Um, uh, so yeah I think we're going to wrap it up like that but uh, anything you want to plug coming up here soon anything you got working on in terms of People that should subscribe to the World Hero and follow your stuff. Yeah, I know. I was trying to decide, like, what... Did people... Is that... uh, Is the Sharif story a subscriber plus? I forgot. I think so. I mean, Tom Chatel
1: wrote about Sharif and his... Sharif's dad and Sharif's grandpa. Three generations of local hoop stars, which is a really cool story. Yeah, it was
0: really good. People need to check that out. So that's worth it. if you haven't,
1: that's worth it. That's worth Um, the subscription for my
0: Your story on Megan Ballinger needs to be read by people, especially if tonight is her last night as a blue jay because yeah. that was a really good i thought um to maybe cap- appreciation but i mean just to look back at all the different ways she is kind of you know all the different roles she's filled all the way she's elevated this program when she first got here yeah um because creighton hadn't been to any all the sweet 16 stuff and all that had not started um even though she registered that first year um had not started until she got to campus so um and I think yeah, John wrote a really right. good story, I re- a kind of a retrospect on her career right. um, that everybody needs to read. So go check that out. And,
1: and I was thinking the other thing too is I'll probably start pointing forward <coughs> at like what does Creighton look like now that Denzel's coming back mm-hmm. in a week, mm-hmm. and now that Davion is on the court, looks like he's close to coming back. What kind of difference do those guys make? So I think that's on my plate too of trying to sort of analyze what potential this team is when when it's closer to full strength so, be so yeah those that.
0: are all things worth a subscription for sure because um, time and effort and quality are all top notch in those regards so subscribe to the world herald check out his stuff and the baby has not been born yet so we're still doing the whole yeah, like yeah. throw the names in the hat and if one sticks you might um get that dubious honor of having your john's child named after you so never know never know um yeah, in the meantime, so yeah, check out John stuff at Omaha.com. Uh, buy a paper, Omaha World Herald, you know where to go. Um, and then white and blue, Rebu- blue com for this podcast. Post game coverage in Nebraska, Creighton. Um, we'll have coverage for Creighton Northern Iowa women's basketball is tomorrow afternoon. And uh, Creighton Volleyball's match tonight against Minnesota, however it goes.
1: I just wanted to ask real quick before we depart, what, what moment today was a defining moment? That you think Creighton fans, are,
0: are, like it, those who were in the arena, like that was which one they talking st- about? Which one's going to stick out? Yeah, um, that's a good one because I felt like there were a few. You know, I think two that will probably be up there are Fred Hoiberg's timeout sequence because um, that was basically like a throwing your hands up in the air and no answers left or. I have the answers, you're not listening to them type of deal. That was, like, a moment where you could definitely sense frustration at a tipping point. Um, the second one was after the game was – I mean, that was while the game was pretty much decided. But Sharif's steal of uh, pickpocket of Jerry Gray Green, and then he, like, weaved through essentially a Husker cone drill of guys who didn't want to get back in transition. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he, like, went around two different dudes, uh, went to the middle of the floor and, did a, you know, flipped to Mitch Ballack in the corner yeah. for a three that really got the crowd going You know, you know. In a moment where I felt like there was a lull throughout the crowd, like it had just settled into a game that both teams were scoring and there wasn't really any momentum, that was a momentum-shifting play. Even though it made it a 25-point game, I felt like that was a big-time play, especially right. because it was Sharif and he played to the crowd after the after the mission of the three. So the Omaha kid got his shine there. I felt like that yeah, was a big Yeah, because he time. had a couple of nice plays today. He did. And
1: a couple of, like, Tough finishes that yeah. were impressive. For your, me, yours? it was Tyshawn Alexander's pull-up three that made it 18-2. to two, Okay, that was And Hoyberg called a timeout. And I think I think, I think, think what I remember, now I, I have to go back and look, but I think what happened was he high-fived McDermott, who then pointed at some, I'm assuming a fan, on the bench. He's just, like, smiling and just, like, pointed right at him. Okay. And so, to me, like, you just don't see Greg McDermott sort of so loose and, like, mm-hmm having a good time that often, and so um, I wish I, f- I forgot to ask him after the game, like, who he was pointing at, but I thought that was notable, of, like, here Creighton is, off to this huge lead, and they're having fun, so,
0: yeah, um, that's they, a good one. Yeah,
1: you don't have that very often. Yeah,
0: the defining moment from the 13-14, which was similar to this, was Doug calling timeout 4-10 miles, everyone <laughs> oh, really? remembers that, yeah, yeah, I think they had just hit him with, like, a 10-0... Ten. It wasn't thirty-eight to eight yet, but it was getting it was getting out of control. I think Creighton had just hit, and Doug pulled up and hit a three, and then he turned around and ran back on defense and did this. Tapping the shoulders. Did did, did this for the thirty before Miles did, yeah. and then My- <laughs> so that was like everybody's. That's there was like a gif of it and everything. That yeah. was that was the defining moment of that bloodbath. Because I think Doug was- calling time out for Tim miles when when Man. he knew it was get, when it was snowballing. On so, yeah, um, Creighton's definitely There have been life. a few, like you said, in Omaha when these two get together, there have been um, definite moments where Creighton can front run a little bit because yeah. it's going sideways on the Huskers. All right, man. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. Uh, nice, efficient podcast, just like Creighton's 15-minute uh, start to the game today. Um, so, yeah, remember everything we just told you in the first uh, where to go for your coverage and everything, and we appreciate you guys listening. Um, we will be back December 14th. Is that when they play? Uh, December 13th. I 13th? Think. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, after UGRTV, am I saying that? UTRGV? U-T-R-G-V? G-V. Yeah. That's okay. UTR. Yeah, what John said. After We'll be back after that for another podcast. So, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week.